You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thank you for joining us. A lot of corruption being exposed this week and continuing this week. So I'll provide updates to you on new documents we found about DOJ fusion GPS collusion against President Trump. Some shocking information there. We have a new lawsuit over the FISA court secrecy, FISA warrant secrecy, trying to expose the cover-up there. And I'll start off, I think, though, with renewed attacks and harassment of President Trump uh, by leftists in Congress who are, I think, taking on uh, the mantle that had been started uh, or the mantle that was first created under the Obama administration in terms of its illicit spying and targeting of President Trump handed off to Mueller and continuing now through the House of Representatives, now controlled by the president's political opponents, who are also controlling these other entities that I've been talking about. This week, the uh, uh, House Judiciary Committee, as part of an effort to overthrow the president, they want to remove him through impeachment. They don't have any good reason to do so, so they're trying to create one by sending out uh, uh, 81 document requests to virtually anybody and anyone associated with President Trump. It's truly breathtaking in the scope of the harassment of President Trump and his associates and his family, and I've never seen anything like it, especially in light of the fact there have been two congressional investigations into the so-called Russia collusion scandal uh, that have gone nowhere in the sense that they've shown there's no Russia collusion with President Trump. So they've decided to move on, which is to investigate every crackpot theory every leftist has concerning President Trump, targeting his taxes, targeting his business practices, targeting his activities before president, uh, before he was president, and uh, targeting anyone, however tertiary to Mr. Trump, with harassing document requests. Now, these are document requests that in many ways Uh, are repetitive of other requests that other committees have sent to these individuals and entities and requests that Congress has sent to these individuals and entities. So this is just uh, piling on on the part of Jerry Nadler, who is the new Democratic chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And as I said, it's a, they, want to, they want to end the president of, presidency of the United States. Now remember, the coup began during the uh, uh, 2016, well, 2017, the first few months of the Trump administration, where you had DOJ, FBI officials discussing removing the president through the improper use of the 25th Amendment, talking about wearing a wire on the president to get evidence to support that audacious coup effort. And then uh, growing out of those conversations also was the appointment of a special counsel to try to find information uh, to warrant the removal of President Trump. And now that's continuing through the House of Representatives because, as you know, all of that activity that I described was reliant on alleged evidence created by anti-Trumpers in the FBI in collusion with Hillary Clinton's uh, and the DNC's fusion GPS operation that was concocting uh, information related to President Trump and Russia, just making it up uh, as as it relates to President Trump and Russia. So uh, that hasn't gotten them what they needed to get, what they needed to get, which was uh, collusion evidence, uh, 
you know, they had the excuse to begin an investigation or the pretext to begin an investigation, but because it was a fraud uh, pretext, uh, it went nowhere. So now the House is trying to, uh, as I say, figure out what else they can get on President Trump. I mean, when you see Jerry Nadler go on TV and says, I have no evidence of obstruction of justice, and the purpose of the investigation is to get it. I mean, that's the Alice in Wonderland approach to congressional investigations. There's no evidence of misconduct, no evidence or facts related to misconduct by the president warning these, these types of investigations. You know, I'm old enough to remember, believe it or not, the Obama administration. Uh, Judicial Watch investigated President Obama's conduct as a senator, his connections with Chicago. The House and the Senate didn't do anything like that. I mean, the idea that you would go in and just for the yuck of it, uh, go in and investigate uh, president before he was president based on nothing, based on nothing, is just unbelievable to me. And so all these individuals are facing massive legal costs as a result of these uh, letters. And, you know, my view on this is that these uh, individuals should just say no to the document requests. They're harassing. Uh, they're uh, designed to burden uh, anyone close to President Trump. And what happens if you refuse? Well, the House of Representatives, the Judiciary Committee, can issue a subpoena. And you can refuse the subpoena in the sense that you can go to court and uh, seek relief from having to um, uh, follow the subpoena or respond to the subpoena. Or maybe you could just say, I'm not going to respond to the subpoena. If you want to enforce it, go to court, and I'll answer you in court. And so in theory, the House of Representatives, the Judiciary Committee, could be forced to go to court 81 times to pursue its uh, efforts to destroy President Trump. Now, do, is everyone going to respond that way? Obviously not. Some will. Uh, but there, there's got to be a fight about this. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, Judicial Watch generally believes in oversight. We want to do oversight. But this is not oversight. This is abuse of power to target a president because you have a political dispute with him. Now, I understand that is the basis for a lot of oversight. Uh, but it can't be the basis for abusive oversight in a sense that you're sending out 81 document requests in one day, and we're being told this is just the beginning, that you can expect more. And it's targeting the president, his family members, his family members, his personal businesses, uh, individuals who have been put through the ringer and abused already by both Congress and the Mueller operation, like Carter Page, the president's lawyers, which is obviously, a, a, you know, they're just obviously picking a fight there. And so, you know, there's got to be a, a pushback. And, you know, I suggest one constitutional pushback, or I think one constitutional way of thinking about this is, why isn't there any oversight of Congress? And if I were the president, I would highlight the fact that the Freedom of Information Act doesn't apply to Congress. So Congress says that we have oversight responsibility over the executive branch, and they've given Judicial Watch and the rest of the American people the ability to conduct their own oversight, which we do better than Congress does through the Freedom of Information Act, but they've made themselves immune from the Freedom of Information Act. So there's no oversight of Congress. And so we can't ask questions about 
uh, Ilan Omar. We can't ask questions about Nancy Pelosi directly or any Republican, any senator, any member of the House and have those, uh, any refusals to answer those questions uh, uh, be litigated in court. I mean, we can always ask the questions, but they can just tell us no, and there's nothing we can do about it. So all those sexual harassment claims that were uh, settled with tax- taxpayer money, we can't ask anyone on the Hill for the information and go to court if they don't give it to us. Unlike what is available to us with the executive branch and the Freedom of Information Act. So if I were the president, you know, you, you litigate your rights, you defend your, your rights, both as president and personally. But you should also highlight the fact that Congress is not accountable to the American people through the Freedom of Information Act. And I think that's important. And also, why doesn't the president provide oversight over Congress? The legislative branch provides oversight over the executive branch. The executive branch has constitutional responsibilities that need to be informed by documents potentially from Congress. The president should think about providing oversight over Congress, asking Congress for documents. Maybe Congress can be asked for documents about Adam Schiff's collusion with Michael Cohen and Lanny Davis. Michael Cohen, the president's former attorney, who now it's reported was colluding with uh, Adam Schiff on this testimony that turned out to be false. Maybe Congress can be asked questions about that through the executive branch. Wouldn't that be an interesting test, constitutionally speaking? Maybe Congress could be asked questions about its travel practices, its personnel practices, its administration, its spending of money. Billions are spent by Congress as a branch. They not only appropriate funds for the agencies, the executive branch and the judiciary, but they appropriate funds for themselves. Where's the check on that? So I I think we need to rethink this transparency issue in the sense of broadening it beyond the executive branch and demand transparency from Congress, oh yes, and from the federal courts, who are also immune from the Freedom of Information Act. So we've got this widely berserk uh, document uh, uh, request mania from uh, the Judiciary Committee. We've got uh, Cohen, who I've talked about repeatedly, Uh, violating the president's rights six ways to Sunday in collusion with the Democrats in Congress, both as an attorney in terms of the attorney-client privileges and other privileges, and then, frankly, just lying outright. You know, I always take with a grain of salt when the opposition accuses a witness they don't like of lying under oath. You you know, because what else? You know, that's an easy claim to make. Um, so, uh, but I, I've been persuaded that there are significant perjury issues for Michael Cohen. Uh, first of all, based on his motives, whether or not he did want a job in the White House. He says he didn't want a job in the White House, and uh, it turns out uh, he did. And there's all sorts of evidence, both in the public domain and from his own words, that he did. And then he testified how he didn't seek a pardon, and when in fact he did. Again, Represented by a Clinton lawyer, or a Clinton associate, Lanny Davis. I don't know if he actually ever represented the Clintons, but he certainly worked, he worked Clinton White House as a lawyer and was close to Hillary Clinton, as I've described repeatedly here. And now it turns out Adam Schiff communicated with Cohen before the hearing, 
his staff at least met with him for 10 hours? A lot of questions there. And all of this needs to be examined. But it shows you, and in many ways, this is just, again, more corruption. See, when you target an American for illicit purposes, uh, it's usually hard to honestly do. You've got to kind of abuse your office to do so. So that's what was happening at the Department of Justice and the FBI and the State Department and NSA and CIA, all, all of which were uh, uh, President Obama had an all-hands-on-deck approach to trying to destroy Donald Trump. And we're seeing it now with the House of Representatives with abuse of power uh, to try to challenge President Trump. Look, I understand the Democrats are on the House of Representatives, and there's going to be increased oversight from their ideological perspective on the issues they care about of the Trump administration. But this is an oversight. This is a vendetta. And this is a continuation of, in my view, the slow-motion coup uh, that began almost immediately upon the president's election. So we'll be monitoring that, and we'll be doing our own investigations. We already have an ethics complaint pending against Adam Schiff over his illicitly confirming classified information outside the rules of his committee in the House. Of course, the ethics committee on the Hill is controlled by three Republicans and three Democrats. So all you need to do is have the Democrats or the Republicans stand in, in union and nothing will happen. And that's what's happened with Adam Schiff. The ethics process is broken in that regard and Schiff is being protected. But it doesn't mean he's not ethically challenged because it's pretty clear he broke the rules. And now we have this new information about his collusion with Cohen and his uh, secret uh, meeting with Glenn Simpson, the head of Fusion GPS out in Aspen, Colorado. So more ethics concerns for uh, Adam Schiff, who runs the Intelligence Committee. So this is a, this is a big deal. Um, and uh, the president's facing attacks from all fronts. And, uh, you know, I want our Congress to defend the republic, not undermine it. And this is what I fear is happening with this uh, congressional jihad against the president and all of his people. So uh, that being said, Judicial Watch does its own work, and we do our own investigations because now Congress isn't going to investigate uh, the misconduct that I've described in terms of the targeting of President Trump. So it's up to Judicial Watch to do uh, the heavy lifting and the hard work to get documents out about the deep state attempts and the slow motion coup that I've described. And to that end, Judicial Watch has sued uh, the agencies at well over 30 times to get documents about uh, the FISA court abuses, the FISA warrant abuses, the collusion, the conspiracies, the Peter Strzok, Lisa Page information, you name it. Anything out there, we probably either have a lawsuit or a Freedom of Information Act request on in terms of the illicit targeting of uh, President Trump and the attendant and related cover-up of the Hillary Clinton issue, which you can't uh, uh, separate from each other because they're all part of the piece because they were colluding with Hillary Clinton and her people as they were protecting her at the same time from any serious investigation of her misconduct. So uh, we, had a, we, hit a, we hit a major fine. We have a major find of documents as a result of one of these lawsuits. And we received, uh, uh, this, is the page, this is the package, uh, 339 pages of documents uh, from the government uh, related to Bruce Orr, 
uh, communication with Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS and all the rest from his time at the Justice Department. So by way of background, Bruce Orr was at the time the number four individual at the Justice Department, and he was uh, talking all the time to Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele, who worked for Fusion GPS, and, and Glenn Simpson, who also worked for Fusion GPS. And on to- while at the time, his wife, Nellie Orr, a Russia expert, also worked for Fusion GPS. Now, what was Fusion GPS up to? Well, they were the ones, and Christopher Steele specifically, was creating one of the nasty dossiers directed at President Trump. So this DOJ official whose wife works for Fusion GPS is talking to Fusion GPS repeatedly. And Fusion GPS was paid for with secret money by Hillary Clinton's campaign and Democratic National Committee. So it's scandal on top of scandal. And uh, the new documents show repeated contacts between Orr and Steele and uh, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS. And Nellie Orr may as well have had a desk at the Justice Department, given the extensive communication she had with her husband and others at DOJ about Russia. The documents show that uh, Orr and Steele were, as I say, in regular communication. Uh, Orr repeatedly thanks Steele for the updates and at one point assures Steele he will pass this information along to his colleagues. Now, why is it controversial? Because, first of all, Orr should have been talking to Steele because Steele was an FBI guy. He was an FBI informant. Again, another part of the scandal is that Steele was being paid for, paid with FBI funds at the same time the Clinton campaign was higher, was paying him through Fusion GPS. So he's working for the Clinton campaign and for the FBI. But at one point, the FBI let him go in November or October of 2016 because of leaks he was giving the media about his communications with the FBI. Remember, they were, you know, they were creating this dossier to destroy Trump. So part of that destruct, destroy Trump effort meant leaking it. In addition, to, in addition to working with their friends in the FBI to use it as a pretext to spy on Trump, which in fact they did through these uh, controversial FISA warrants that Judicial Watch also exposed. Now, Judicial Watch exposed all of this. We exposed the FBI paying Steele 11 times. They met with him 13 times in 2016. They paid him 11 of those times. And despite his being fired, these documents show that Orr was in nearly constant communications with Steele. And I'll give you some specifics. Of course, we had to get this through a lawsuit. We filed the lawsuit uh, in um, March of last year. I'm not quite sure when we filed the Freedom of Information Act request, but I'm sure it was a few months before that. So this takes a long time to get these documents out. And it's interesting. We asked for... uh, these communications Orr may have had with Steele, his travel requests, and calendar entries. So what did the government do? They gave us all of his travel requests first, even though they had all this other good stuff that they were holding back. So we get production after production of travel requests that really don't, they knew were uh, uh, unexciting. Of course, we asked for him because we want to know what he was up to. But uh, they finally gave us the mother load. Again, here. These are the 339 pages. They're heavily redacted. 
Um, much of it is material that Nellie Orr was sending to uh, her friends at the Justice Department and her husband at the Justice Department about Russia. But they show include text messages between Orr and Steele, some of which have been reported on, but never released. See, this is the problem. Congress has some of these documents, but we can't get them. And this is why Judicial Watch has to go to court, and it's important we go to court, so that we get them too. The American people need to see this material. Because without Judicial Watch's lawsuits, we won't see this material. Congress may never release it. Or if they release it, they'll only release select portions of it. But you can see it all on the Internet right now. Go to our website at judicialwatch.org. And I frankly encourage you to read these documents because I'm not going to be able to describe them in their entirety to you, obviously. We can't even put everything that we want to put in a press release. The press release, I think, is eight pages long. So go and read these documents and read about the collusion between a senior Justice Department official and an agent of Hillary Clinton, both during the campaign and after Mr. Mueller was hired, this guy Steele was funneling information. Steele, a foreign national, supposedly was a spy for the United Kingdom, funneling information in the Department of Justice while Mueller is operating. I'd like to know how much of that information ended up being used by Mueller. We know Mueller used the Steele dossier. Wouldn't surprise me if he was continuing to get information from Steele through Brousseau. And these documents demonstrate, uh, I, I don't think it stopped until it was publicly found out that Steele and Orr were improperly communicating with each other. And when the DOJ found that out, they, they removed him from his number four position and put him back as head of the organized crime division section that he was running for years and years. So the documents show the following, and I'll get into some of the details. There's a July 2016 uh, email. Uh, Steele emails Bruce Orr uh, about a meeting that is to include Bruce Orr's wife, Nellie, uh, who then, of course, worked for Fusion GPS. Dear Bruce, Steele writes, just to let you know, I shall be in D.C. at short notice on business from this p.m. till Saturday eve, staying at the Mayflower Hotel. If you're in town, it would be good to meet up, perhaps for breakfast tomorrow. Happy to see Nellie, too, if she's up to it. Please let me know. Best, Chris. Then on July 30th, 2016, in the middle of the presidential campaign, a Justice Department official is meeting with Christopher Steele, the uh, foreign agent for Hillary Clinton. Orr writes, uh, great to see you and Nellie this morning, Bruce. Uh, no, excuse me, it looks like Steele writes this. Let's keep in touch on the substantive issues. Glenn, Fusion GPS founder Glenn Simpson, is happy to speak to you on this if it would help. Best, Chris. On Friday, September 16th, just a few months before the election, Steele and Orr begin planning a meeting in the Capitol Hilton. Dear Bruce Steele writes, I hope you are well. I am probably going to visit Washington again in the next couple of weeks on business of mutual interest. Again, this foreign national who admittedly used Russian intelligence sources on behalf of Hillary Clinton to try to smear uh, Trump is talking to this uh, GOJ official. I would like to see you again in person and therefore to coordinate diaries. I agree that, I don't know what that means. Schedules? Something more substantive? I don't know. So when are you going to be planning, when are you planning to be in town? Thanks and best, Chris. Sure enough, the meeting took place. 
Looks like they had breakfast in September. And then there's a December 18th, a December 8th, 2016 phone log. This is after President Trump had been elected. That shows that Bruce Orr called Simpson for a meeting tomorrow at 3. So they're still meeting with Fusion GPS even after the election. And again, of course, uh, remember, Steele had been fired as a confidential informant from the FBI by then. A December 13, 2016 phone log of war shows he spoke with Simpson the day before and received, quote, some more news. What is that? I don't know. The log also lists that Rod Rosenstein got a call at 5.48 p.m. So that leaves the question, was or funneling material from Fusion GPS to Rod Rosenstein, who was the supervisor in theory of the Mueller operation? At no, and he was a supervisor at the Mueller operation at the time. In fact, he wasn't even a member of the administration at the time. Well, no, he would have been because he may have been U.S. attorney. But obviously he wasn't at DOJ as number two. Documents show a string of encrypted text messages between January and November of 2017, again, well after the FBI fired him. The messages are exchanged January 31st, 2017, between Orr and Steele regarding the firing of Acting Attorney General Sally Yates. Now, remember, Sally Yates was the Obama holdover that President Trump allowed to be Attorney General for a time, Acting Attorney General for a time, until he had to fire her because she refused, unlawfully to refuse and unethically refused to defend his then-proposed travel ban in the courts. Steele writes B., Bruce, doubtless a sad and crazy day for you, Ray S.Y., Sally Yates. Just wanted to check if you're okay, still in situ, and able to help locally as discussed, along with your Bureau colleagues with our guy if the need arises. Many thanks and best as always, C. What does that mean? Who's the guy? And Orr writes, Bruce, yes, a crazy day. I'm still here and able to help as discussed. I'll let you know if that changes. Thanks. And again, Steele's still pushing to get back in the bureau here. He'd been fired two months, three months earlier. You have my sympathy and support. If you end up out, though, I really need another bureau contact info. Point number, who was briefed? We can't allow our guy to be forced to go back home. It would be disastrous all around, though. His position right now looks stable. A million thanks, C. Who's the guy that they were trying to protect from being sent back home? Mystery. This is the problem. A lot of this is redacted. For instance, there's this meeting note with... I'll give you an example. I, I flagged it here. This is meeting note with uh, notes of a meeting with... It looks like Glenn Simpson. And it says, Glenn, possible, possible intermediaries. Look at that. It's all blacked out. It's all B7, B6, personal privacy, law enforcement. Then Senator Grassley writes a letter in March asking about what the heck was going on with uh, payments to steal out of the FBI because word got out that that was taking place. And, of course, then the next day, Steele and Bruce Orr start conspiring. 
Steele, would it be possible to speak later today, please? We're very concerned by the Grassley letter and its possible implications for our operations and sources. We need some reassurance. And then they talk about setting something up, and Steele writes, thanks for that, old friend. Please do fight our cause and keep in touch. Really fundamental issues at stake here, very best. And Bruce Orr writes back, likewise, hang in there. So they had a cause, and it wasn't pro-Trump, you can be sure. Exchange beginning in March of 2017. Talks about Comey's scheduled March 20th, 2017 testimony before Congress. This has been previously reported, but this is the first time we're seeing the text. Steele, hi. Just wondering if you had any news. Obviously, we're a bit apprehensive given Comey's scheduled appearance at Congress on Monday, hoping that important firewalls will hold many thanks. You know what's striking about this is that Hillary Clinton, you know, we're told we're not allowed to ask questions about Hillary Clinton. I mean, we're not literally told that, but the suggestion is that Hillary Clinton's off-limits Her people were in communication with the Justice Department every day, it looks like, even after she lost the election. And as I pointed out, her ally, Lanny Davis, is orchestrating the Cohen smear operation against President Trump. And her dossier, the dossier Hillary Clinton's campaign bought and paid for, is still being used by the Mueller operation and was used by the Mueller operation to try to investigate President Trump over illicitly, I would add, illicitly used. So I have a lot of questions about Hillary Clinton's knowledge and involvement and her campaign's knowledge and involvement in all of this. On October 26, 2017, Steele says she's very concerned about documents the FBI tends to turn over to Congress, about my work and relationship with them. Can we have a word tomorrow, please? Just seen a story in the media about the Bureau handing over documents to Congress about my work and relationship with them. Very concerned about this. People's lives may be endangered. And then Steele writes that he spoke to Simpson about information that it was discussed with Bruce Orr. Bruce, having spoken with Glenn in London today, I now understand and appreciate what you were talking about on Saturday. These guys were talking almost all the time. These Hillary Clinton operatives and, and the Justice Department senior official, Bruce Orr. Again, November 2017, a year after the election, well into the Mueller operation. Remember, Mueller was appointed when? In May of 2017? Dear Bruce, I hope you and the family are well. It's been another tough week here under the media spotlight with legal pressures bearing down on us. I am presuming blank, something blacked out. Also, we remain in the dark as to what has been briefed to Congress about us, our assets and previous work. I know you understand the importance of this. You've done your best to support us. But we would be grateful if you could continue to blank. Why is that blacked out? I don't know why. Sincere thanks for everything you are doing. I hope to speak to you again soon. Chris, thanks for reaching out, Bruce writes back. I understand the difficulties and uncertainties you are experiencing. I blank. Let's plan to talk early in the week. And then, as I say, Nellie Orr 
has got tons of emails and documents she's sending about Russia to Bruce Orr and other officials at DOJ. Just page after page. Much of this isn't Bruce Orr and Steele. It's Nellie Orr, again, Fusion GPS employee, hired to dig up dirt on Hillary, on President Trump, repeatedly communicating throughout the campaign, well into uh, 2007, let me see what the last date is. Well, beginning in 2015, well into the campaign with the Justice Department. These are smoking gun documents that show that Hillary Clinton's uh, operative, Christopher Steele, worked hand in glove with the Justice Department, namely Bruce Orr. Of course, he was paid by the FBI as well. And we also know separately, thanks to Judicial Watch litigation, this dossier was misleadingly used to convince four FISA court judges to grant spy warrants to Carter Page, which was not necessarily about Carter Page, but about spying on President Trump. And who knows what other FISA warrants were used, I don't know, because they won't tell us. And again, is this Judicial Watch getting this information? Well, it wasn't released by Congress. It would never be released by the House Democrats, you can bet. Thank God for Judicial Watch. I don't say that just as president, but my gosh, we would never know about any of this but for Judicial Watch's litigation. And I thank you for your support that allows us to do it. I went through a lot of material here, but you're not going to hear about it on the mainstream media, so i got to give it to you here. So get the word out. If you're watching this, get the word out. Share. Comment. Make it go viral. So speaking of FISA, we want the documents. I talked about the FISA court warrant applications, the Judicial Watch uncovered, showing that the uh, FBI and the DOJ under Trump, uh, Frank, under Trump, Rod Rosenstein, and Obama had, were uh, misleading the courts about what the dossier showed about its origins and the uh, biases of those who created it. They never told the courts Hillary Clinton was behind it. They never told the courts they were unable to corroborate it. They never told the courts uh, and suggested that it was corroborated three different ways when, in fact, it was just the dossier being reported or uh, or uh, repeated through other sources. I mean, they would say the do- we have the dossier, we have this report, news report that bol- bolsters the dossier. They didn't tell the court the news report was based on the dossier. And then they say we have this other dossier, which, of course, was just a, a repeat of the, other, the dossier they were using to try to get the spy warrant. It'd be like you asking me, uh, who are your sources? And I say, I have three sources, me, myself, and I. I mean, that, dice, that FISA warrant application was a self-looking ice cream cone. Circle within circles used to justify itself to the court. And we, of course, Judicial Watch uncovered, the court held not one hearing on the spy application targeting President Trump. Unbelievable. Their, their election on the part of the courts, in my, in my, in my view, but there's other aspects of the FISA warrant that were not released. I should have brought them out here to show you. But there are sections of the report that have yet to be released that those with security clearance, like Devin Nunes on the Hill, have read, reviewed. They're not classified, but they would, again, be scandalous because they would show misconduct 
uh, in this FISA court application process. And there are other materials related to 302s of Bruce Orr and other documents related to the Mueller investigation that need to be declassified and released. Now, the president agreed to do this in September in um, September of last year, September 17, 2018. President Trump ordered the Office of Director of National Intelligence and the Justice Department to declassify the documents. They include the OR documents, as I talked about, the FISA warrant applications, FBI reports and interviews of... Um, prepared in connection with all the other applications. So the back the backup for the FISA warrants and text messages of Orr and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Comey and McCabe. But then the deep state stopped it. They went in and they persuaded President Trump and I think they probably just uh, said the sky will fall. And President Trump said, okay, uh, and he said, I met with DOJ concerning the declassification. They agreed to release them, but stated that doing so, they may have a perceived negative impact on the Russia probe. Also, key allies called asked not to release. Now, I'm convinced those are like, that's Great Britain, Australia, who, um, for those of you who follow the story closely, will know were also part of this anti-Trump spy operation orchestrated by the Obama administration, so they didn't want to be embarrassed. And then President Trump said, therefore, the inspector general has been asked to review these documents on an expedited basis. So that was back in September. And um, even though the president said speed is very important to me and everyone, the documents have yet to be released. So Judicial Watch uh, would sue to get these documents and have been unable to get this additional material because of their classification. We're very interested to know what's going on about this effort to roll back President Trump's decision to declassify the Russia probe documents. So what do we do? We ask for the documents about that process at the Justice Department, and of course we were ignored, and so we've sued. And we have a lawsuit for any and all records concerning or related to the proposed declassification of these DOJ records as ordered by President Trump. So uh, this is what I love about Judicial Watch. We just don't let things go, especially things important to the future of our republic, which is the misuse of our intelligence agencies to spy on an opposition political candidate. That, that, that sort of activity is supposed to go on in places like Venezuela, not in the United States of America. And it's no surprise the deep state does not want this material released to the American people. And they're going to tell the president and they're going to tell the American people the sky will fall, people will die, cats and dogs will live together if this material is declassified. And we know that's bunk because President Trump has shown it's bunk by declassifying this other FISA court material that I talked about. There was no good faith basis to keep it classified. And I guarantee you there's no good faith basis to keep the rest of this material classified. So I don't know what the IG is going to do. I don't know what the timing of this declassification is going to be, but we're going to expose the deep, state, the deep state effort at DOJ and FBI to keep this material covered up. And I would encourage, again, the president to declassify this material as soon as he can. He gave these folks plenty of time to do it. Well, why, why the delay? And I tell you what I suspect the delay is, because it would further undermine the credibility of that 
irredeemably compromised investigation known as the Robert Mueller Special Counsel Operation. Because as I said, these FISA court warrants are key to his investigations. It would expose further reason to question why they were doing it to begin with in terms of targeting President Trump. And it's all been about protecting Mueller. Indeed, the president tweeted that the, the DOJ said it was about protecting Mueller. The president between rock and a hard pace, place. You know, everything he's saying and doing is allegedly related to obstruction of justice these days. He can't be president without obstructing justice. But he's got to be direct, and, and uh, the best way to uh, end this corruption is to shine the light of day onto it by authorizing the release of the information. Now, Judicial Watch has got the court cases, but if it's classified, we can't, you know, the courts rarely second-guess classification decisions by the government. We're not going to get anywhere. It's got to be declassified. And sometimes the court cases lead to the declassification because the government says, hey, you know what, Judicial Watch sued for this. It's declassified. I mean, it's classified, but we declassify it in response to the lawsuit. But that's not happening here because the deep state is desperate to protect its, the ongoing slow-motion coup against President Trump. So this is an important lawsuit to get at that. So a lot going on. And uh, I know it may seem frustrating and overwhelming to you at times, but you should, be, uh, you should know that Judicial Watch is here to try to expose the truth what's going on. And we're tracking it all. Uh, we've got dozens of lawsuits to expose this uh, illicit deep state activity. We're holding Congress to account. We're holding the administration to, the, to account to the extent it's stonewalling our requests. There's no one who sued the Trump administration more than Judicial Watch. I mean, we're supportive of the efforts to defend the president from this rule of law assault, this effort to overthrow him. But those lawsuit, the lawsuits we filed means that we've got to sue the administration to expose what's going on. The president, you know, as I said, there's this, a seditious conspiracy on the part of many government officials targeting President Trump, and that means suing to find out what's going on. And so uh, there's no one doing that like Judicial Watch is doing it. So we'll continue to be able to do it, obviously, with your support. And as I said, you've got to get the word out about this. It's so important. Our republic's at stake, and we've got to protect uh, are uh, the people that we vote for from being lawlessly removed from office. And to that end, that's why Judicial Watch is doing this important investigative work and litigation to protect the republic, uphold the rule of law, and preserve our Constitution. So have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.